Well, welcome to Open Outcry, where as we roll from the close of the US trade into the new trading session, we take the pulse of the financial markets. We assess the key themes, the views, the flows, the movers and shakers to help traders and investors efficiently navigate markets. Open Outcry is, of course, an antiquated relic of the financial system, and it's therefore fitting to have two dinosaurs of the trading world as your host. Scott Redford, Pepperstone's Head of Product and Senior Member of the Flowdesk, and myself, Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone. Anyway, let's get to it. Mr. Redford, it's Thursday morning. We're looking ahead at Jackson Hole. What else is on the mind at the moment? What's going on in your world? Well, Chris, you know, it may be obvious for um, someone from Aotearoa, but looking for, um, you're looking forward to a, a big weekend of rugby. Yeah. Um, the big clash between the Aussies and the Saffirs. And, and, right, so there's quite a lot going on in the uh, in sort of the, the sort of regional ones, like Bay of, Bay of Plenty are playing and some of the Wellington versus Taranaki. So I think, wow. uh, you know, if you've got your you've got beer in hand on Saturday on, in New Zealand, uh, you know, there's plenty to focus on throughout the day and into night, right? Yeah, no, that's impressive. I mean, they, they struggle a bit these days, the NPC over there. So that's great to know that you're keeping, <laughs> keeping no, your keep eye on them. I'll keep an eye on them. Uh, yeah, 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 well, I'm interested in Australia versus South Africa. They're playing out in Australia. I think since uh, since the record, since the Tri-Nations really ramped up in 1996, there's been 29 games uh, being played in Australia between uh, Australia and South Africa. Australia, would you have it, have actually won 79% of those. And, and actually, it's been a couple of draws in the mix there as well. So, you know, statistically, you'd favour the Australians. But, uh, you know, South Africa are big favourites paying $1.44. Is, is, Austra- is there value in Australia there? I mean, like you say, it's hard to, hard to imagine that the Saffirs are so strong. But when you look at the stats at home, especially yeah. in Adelaide, the Aussies have got a great record. So, yeah, yeah maybe it's worth a look. Well, maybe, but New Zealand have got it in the bag, aren't they? 101 is what they're paying there. So it's going to be an interesting. No AFL, though. We've got that uh, coming next week. There's going to be some big games playing through there. And a bit of cricket on the mind as well. The Poms playing out of South Africa. So obviously a big weekend again for the South Africans all round. Basball under the test. It failed <laughs> last week. <laughs> Will they stick to their guns? Yeah, nice. the... Well, we'll see. All right, mate. Let's go around the grounds and have a look at uh, the overnight moves. Mm. Um, it was in, in, in the States, it was mildly choppy, but overall directionless session. NASDAQ finished up 0.4%, Dow up 0.2%. Uh, Europe, it was a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, the Euro stocks finished up 0.4%, FTSE down narrowly 0.2%. Asia, we did see a bit of selling. Um, this, the CSI finished down almost 2%, Hang Seng down just over 1%. There is a typhoon warning in Hong Kong today, be aware. So there's a chance that their session will be cancelled. Yeah. We'll continue making uh, a price throughout, of course, on the index, regardless of whether we stop for no wind. No wind stops our markets. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, rain, hail, or shine. It's there will be there. a price, and yeah. it will be a two-way price. Yeah. Uh, if we dig in um, a bit to the S and P, the sectors, energy stands out uh, as the strongest, uh, up over a percent. Otherwise, mild gains across the board. A sea of gentle green. Uh, in the FX markets, we also saw resilience. That's probably a, that's a word I've seen you use already today, and we'll probably come back to that. Yeah. Euro dollar hovering around parity, uh, Aussie and Kiwi sliding to recent lows against the US dollar. Uh, in the commodity markets, oil continuing its climb of the last few days. Brent pushing up through uh, $101 a barrel. Gold eking out mild gains. Now, Chris, uh, talk to me about rates and bonds. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. You use that word resilience. It is definitely a resilient market because on any other given day, all those risk factors you talked about, it could have seen a big move down in, in you know, the NASDAQ and those factors. We've got, 
Yeah, if you focus on short-term duration, two-year US Treasury is trading up nine basis points into 3.39%. That's a new high in this run. Obviously, ahead of Jackson Hole, that's quite material. Um, but yeah, it doesn't pay in comparison to what we've seen in the UK. Everyone's talking about potential 18% inflation. If you have a look at two-year gilts, they are up 22 basis points into 293. So that's a massive move, but yet the pound unperturbed on the back of that. Um, you know, you are seeing volatility um, you actually subside despite those moves there. So you've got the VIX trading uh, down 1.2 volts at 22.8%. So still into that sort of bottom end of the range for the day traders out there. I'd like to see it probably into a 25, 30% range, a little bit lower in, in terms of FX volatility in that situation as well. So some movement playing through, but, uh, you know, not kind of what we'd want to, for, for the short termism. In terms of rates, what are we doing? I'll just get set, set the scene uh, for the next central bank meeting. Um, the Fed meeting, the next Fed meeting comes on the 21st of September. We've got 65 basis points being priced in. So it's just just veering towards a 75 basis point hike, but still kind of split, obviously, all eyes on, on Jack, uh, Jackson Hole and, and, and the big man himself, Mr. Jay Powell, speaking on Saturday at midnight for us here in Australia and Eastern Standard Time. Uh, in Australia, 6th of September, rate um, RBA meeting is the next one. We've got 45 basis points being priced in for hikes there, so veering towards a 50 basis points. Back in the motherland uh, in the UK, um, as I talk about all eyes inflation there, but uh, next meeting there on the 15th of September, we've got 57 basis points. And in Europe, um, despite the European natural gas woes that have been taking place, uh, the next meeting comes through on the 8th of September and we're pricing or the markets are pricing in 56 basis points. So at the door, slightly ajar for Christine Lagarde to uh, to pull out a 75 basis point hike on the 8th of September. But uh, the, the sort of default position is that they raise by 50 basis basis points, but an interesting one. And maybe, Mr. Redford, an element of support for the euro uh, on those rate settings that we've got near a term. Back um, yeah, in Canada as well, Yeah, the next meeting coming through on the 7th of September, we're pricing in 69 basis points. So uh, the CAD getting it done, looking quite attractive from a rates perspective there. Yeah, excellent. Now, let's dig in a little bit more to uh, see what's behind the moves. You've mentioned a few great points there. There's four things I wanted to ask you about today. Uh, one, again, that word resilience, uh, there's, mm. you know, despite the sell-off and bonds, we've seen um, risk markets, you know, stay fairly steady, relatively yeah. steady. Yeah, that's Definitely right, mate. Time. Absolutely. I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. The market chooses what it wants to choose, right? And and, and keys off what it wants to key off. Um, so, you know, you could argue that, that any other given day that, that a, a 22 basis point move in, in, in UK gilts would have caused sterling to rally significantly. Um, you would have argued that a, that a move up um, in in nominal treasuries to the extreme what we saw last night would have caused yeah the S&P and they were specifically the Nasdaq to be down one and a half two percent but it didn't you know we saw the Nasdaq actually grind a little bit higher uh, so I think yeah it's an interesting one uh, and I think maybe just some pre-positioning ahead of Jackson Hole we also saw credit spreads if you look at high yield uh, credit spreads actually narrowed nine basis points so again you know I think the equity market probably said well what are you doing Mr Credit if you if, if you sell off then maybe we'll sort of move a little bit lower on the back of that but that's not been the case so uh, I think just recent pre-positioning ahead of uh, what we're seeing in, in, in Jackson Hole and then certainly um, you know what we're seeing ahead of uh, you know Mr. Mr Powell's speech there so it's an interesting one isn't it because uh, you know the, the bond market usually does lead the equity market especially when you're seeing you know that breakout in yields people look at you know that as a sort of a discount rate for future cash flows and working out present value and saying well the present value is lower so therefore we're going to sell equity especially long duration assets like tech but wasn't the case so uh, you know when something doesn't go down when it should do 
uh, that makes us ask questions as traders, right? Yeah, is it one of these uh, sort of calm before the storm situations? You know, when I hope so. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. the investor, for the investors out there, they you know, obviously they they want a uh, you know, a nice continued grind higher, and and, and hopefully that happens. Um, but uh, you know, for the for the traders, a bit of vol never hurt no one. Of action, yeah. Now the the second one, um, European natural gas prices have been in focus, up and up and up and up. Um, and again, it's a, it's on the theme of resilience. Euro dollar sort of hanging in there despite that. Um, is it again? Are we waiting for a big reaction there, or or is it priced in at this stage? I think, yeah, it's, it's bad. Obviously, it's bad. Um, that, that we've seen European natural gas prices where we closed at 292 euros. And, you know, we saw electricity prices in Germany, the baseload numbers continued to, grind, uh, to, to, to move up quite impulsively as well. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that inventory levels are actually really high, and they've done it, the Germans especially have done a very good job of building inventory levels, um, that, that, you know, you can have higher prices and it potentially could lead to, to shortages. But, you know, effectively, they've, they've been building up these inventory levels, which means that, yeah, things aren't so bad. And, and I think that's what's holding things in, in the euro. Um, I think also the traders live, live in the future, right? So, yeah, we kind of, we try and price these things dynamically as they go along. And we're saying, yeah, well, what does what does a European natural gas price look like at 400 euros? What does, yeah, how does that affect economics? And I think maybe we're, we're pricing an element of that in at the moment. So, yeah, it is it, the resilience in euro because, you know, what we're seeing here is, is whilst, People are sort of saying mm, maybe don't, maybe we don't want to go too hardcore on the on the dollar right now. But uh, you know, everyone was saying, well, if you're going to see European natural gas prices break 300 euros, then 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 euro dollar should be trading you know sub 99, and that hasn't been the case. So yeah, I think it's interesting. We are consolidating at these levels. Maybe just people not wanting to take too much uh, uh, dollar exposure ahead of Jackson Hole. Um, but yeah, mm. I think you have to keep an eye on this European natural gas story. It is going to lead um, to 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 you know, deterioration in economics. The question is, is the euro pricing the sin? I'll throw it back to you, Mr. Redford. Um, you know, obviously, euro dollar, one of our, our biggest trading um, instruments that we have at Pepperstone. Um, mm. Yeah, obviously, so the sample size in terms of positioning is pretty good. What are people doing at the moment? How, how are people positioned on, on, on euro dollar specifically here? Our clients are overall strongly long euro dollar, short dollars, long euros. That's where they are. So that I guess they're seeing a bounce back from from these levels and back up through parity and, and beyond. And is that, is that the same across all, all pairs, or is it just it's, it's idiosyncratic to, to euro dollar? People are saying you know it's had a big move lower. Uh, is this the same in cable and and and, and other dollar pairs? It, it is similar in other dollar pairs. I mean, our clients are short. US dollar across the board, um, long sterling, long yen, long even Kiwi dollar. Um, so it's similar, but definitely uh, the strongest effect is being seen on, on euro. Yeah. The other the other thing that we need to take out is is is, is to kind of watch this space. Is um, yeah, the Gazprom are, are shutting uh, the Nord Stream one pipeline down um, for three days, starting in a few days' time. And the market is a little bit concerned that uh, you know after this this three day hiatus for maintenance. That the gas taps are not turned back on, and that's definitely something you should be watching. You know, whether you're trading natural gas, whether you're trading, um, you know, the proxies of that, then then obviously that is that's something. If if we don't see the flow being turned back on, um, you know, it, it, to, into the turn of the new month, then then I think risk could uh, wear a premium. I think yeah, uh, you know, the, the Germany forty would be very sensitive to that. Yeah, I mean, you use the, the phrase uh, when markets are, are down that they're taken to the woodshed, and Europe will literally be going out to the woodshed if they start running out of gas. <laughs> <aren't they? laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's not laughing matter, is it? But uh, yeah, you, sorry, I hadn't thought that. It, sorry, you, but anyway, you put it quite eloquently. Yeah. <laughs> um, the third thing I had uh, jotted down, we have covered. I don't know if there's anything else you want to say on it. Is Jackson Hole the big one yeah. this week? Well, there's other other central bank speakers. It's it's kind of like one um, one of those big ones, isn't it? Where they all get together a shindig, and if you get invited, you know you've made it in life. But uh, yeah, Jackson Hole, one of the most beautiful places on earth. Let me let me tell you about this. There are six different um, species of rabbit which are native to the Wyoming region, uh, Scott. So obviously something that, that uh, you know when we talk about facts, that's one for the for, for the you know for the for the book there. Um, but yeah, I think uh, everyone's eyes on on what does um, Jerome Powell say? Does he open up? You know the door for seventy five basis points in the in the September meeting, FOMC meeting, or does he sort of shut it a little bit and push it pushes back towards a fifty basis point hike as the sort of default position? Does he open the door to any kind of rate rate cuts and and what would trigger those in twenty twenty three? The way I'm sensing this is that uh, you know until we get the the non farm payrolls number on the on the second of, of September, until we get the CPI number in the US on the thirteenth of September, there's no real reason for him to to be too definitive. Um, I think he still wants to continue to put his foot down on the inflation pedal, given that uh, obviously sticky and core inflation is still very high, around six percent, and probably likely to remain so for some time. Um, but I think he wants to give himself maximum flexibility and optionality uh, until we get those uh, those two numbers. So the fact is, for me, is, is this may actually be somewhat of a non-event. Uh, and actually, you know, we really need to get that payrolls number and the CPI number on the 13th of September to really seal the deal. That, to me, is probably the bigger the bigger clincher for that September meeting. OK, interesting. Interesting. I mean, I, I wonder if Rabbit will be on the menu in Jackson Hole. I mean, there'll be some lavish spreads put on, I imagine. And he would have thought it, so. Is, it, is that a bit on the nose if they're a native? native well, animal? I, I think, mean, I, we I think, think of them so. as a pest in this part of the world, don't we? But they might look at them a little differently yeah, over there. Nice bit, of ter- nice bit of terrine starter, rabbit terrine starter. I just, yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds it sounds like a it sounds like the uh, sort of place we should we we should we need to get stuck into, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> one day we'll get an invite. Um, now the, the last one we'll look at. This is a question you've talked about the last couple of days, and it's an in- interesting one. Who has the hardest job uh, in central bank circles around the world? I mean, the easiest, if you want to look at the other end, is probably somewhere like Turkey. Um, that's the point you've raised, and and so who do you see uh, as having the hardest job? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. If, if, you, if you go against Erdogan's wishes, then, then you, you don't have much of a job left. But uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I, was, I was asked this question by a client the other day, and um, you know, that we, we talked about the idea that it was probably the ECB. Well, they said it was the ECB because they've got 19 different sovereign states to, to manage under one um, monetary policy, guys. But you know, I think in the wake of the Bank of England or the Citigroup's call this week, that they think. Uh, that the inflation in the UK is going to get to 18% and RPI inflation at 21% in Q1. I think the best way for me to summarise this is to think about who has the biggest distribution of, of potential outcomes, both from a, an economic perspective, perspective, but also from a, from a rates policy perspective. Um, and for me, that that's arguably the Bank of England now, because you could make a guys that, that, that in 2023, 2000, well, late 23, 24, they may look to cut rates and ease rates, but you could also see a situation where they could be putting rates up to 6% as well. So for me, the best way to answer that is really who has the biggest distribution of outcomes. And that for me is the Bank of England. So whilst they only set policy for the UK, obviously that the, uh, you just really don't, the, the uncertainty of setting policy is probably higher in, in the UK than anywhere else. That's probably the best way to, to look at it for me. 
Yeah, that, that is a good way of looking at it. That's an interesting take. Yeah. Now, now let's have a look. <laughs> You're welcome. You've always got interesting takes on these things, mate. Let's, um, let's have a look ahead. Uh, the coming session, we've mentioned a few things and obviously the big one. Um, Jackson Hole, is there anything else on your radar? A couple of um, uh, job claims numbers in the US. Um, we've got BOJ um, speech, NZ retail sales coming out around now. Anything else on your radar? But the German IFO at 6, 6 p.m., um, certainly if you look at expectations, the market's expecting another slight deterioration in, 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 in the, the, you know, the survey there, and that's in sharp decline as well. So you'd imagine you know, if that continues on its current trajectory, you could probably be sort of testing the levels that we saw in you know, just after the pandemic breakout in, 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 in April 2020. So one thing to watch, whether the euro continues to, to push through uh, on the back of that. So in terms of you, Scott, in terms of... Um, you know, managing risk in the session ahead if you've got positions open you know, do you, would you be too concerned about the IFO at 6 p.m I mean as I say I think it's got it's got some bearing but if you've got those positions holding over as your job as a risk taker risk manager <clears throat> would you be too concerned about those positions there no no I'd be I'd be I'd be letting it run over that if you put it to put it bluntly um but you know you've got to be careful what you say about these things don't you but um, it's not one that massively jumps out. Yeah, right. In terms of client skewing, client client positioning and, and, and various factors, though, is there anything else that, that really springs out in terms of notable behavior recently? Um, our, our clients are now at a point where they're sort of fairly well balanced on, on the indices. Um, we talked about FX positioning before. That's the one that really jumps out is that the short US dollar. We've been seeing a, a decent amount of flow in Scandinavian FX crosses last few days, Swedish Krona right. in particular. Um, and also dollar CNH, um, Chinese renminbi. Um, it's one we often talk about, but not one that's traded as much for whatever reason. But it's, it's been on a bit of a breakout this week, hasn't it? So it uh, we've actually seen a bit of action in that. That's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I think that's been, for me, the, the part of the main reason why the US dollar's been on a rally, because dollar CNH last week was up 1.5% and it really sort of broke out. Um, what we have seen is this kind of counterbalance over overnight, and and on one hand, uh, the yeah the, the authorities are asking the local banks to stop shorting the yuan, um, and that may take some of the wind out of the sails. At the same time, they've also welcomed the depreciation in the yuan as as a, as a boost for economics as well. So it's kind of you know counter counter inflictive. So. Um, yeah, I think it's taken some of the heat out. But I think, yeah, if dollar yen, dollar, sorry, dollar CNH makes another move higher, then you know it's going to put a, a bid into the into the dollar pair. So really, really important for the um for the dollar markets for sure. Mm, anyway, mm. mate, I, I think what's a really good place. Let me ask you a question. Um, in terms of uh, a trade that you like or a market that you think really should be on the radar right now, uh, what what's uh, what's the market that you've that, that you've really got? On? Oh, one interesting one next couple of days, next session is um, Tesla. They're, they've got another stock split. Um, these used to be huge events. I mean, the last one, I think there was an 80% run up between the announcement and the and uh, the ex-div date, if you can call it that, on the stock split. Yeah. Um, is, is it still a big event? Will we see a reaction? Will we see people that are waiting to invest in Tesla at that small number plunge in? Or is it a sell the fact? Are people now desensitized to stock stock splits now that we seem to see so many? We've seen Amazon and Google recently. Um, so, but yeah, either way, I think it's one to watch next couple yeah. of days. Cool. Well, I'm watching dollar yen. Um, I think you know, just given the moves we've seen in in, in you know two year US Treasuries, dollar yen is very sensitive to that, and and it's a really good proxy of trading for the bond market. Um, so yeah, for me, yeah, we're just holding the the, the eight day exponential moving average and. 
you know, it's just sort of consolidating at the moment. Um, I think, you know, for the for the momentum traders out there, you really want to see a break of 137.75. Maybe that happens after Jackson Hole. But if, uh, you know, if you see a break above that level, then, you know, then I think you're going to have a stronger conviction of trading up to 140. So, yeah, for the dollar hawks out there, dollar bulls out there, for me, I think dollar yen's a really interesting one. And it's a, you know, obviously very clear proxy of what's happening in the, in, in the rates market and, and, and various factors as well. So an interesting week. I think we'll wrap it up there, Scott. I think before we leave it, let's just uh, hear your fact of the day. Fact of the day today, Chris, is the KFC Twitter account follows 11 other accounts, six men named Herb and the five Spice Girls. Very nice. <laughs> and that's the way, and that's your... Uh, your wrap for the day. Anyway, that's uh, enough from our open outcry until until next week. We talk about for, uh, thoughts from the trading floor. Uh, it's a goodbye from myself. Stay safe out there, traders. Good luck. Yes. All right, take care.